I'm tired. Whatever happened to excitement and exuberance in ministry? Okay. I know I'm not a young guy anymore, but the tsunami from every media platform to accept and approve feeling over God's design for biology gnaws at the edges of credulity. The crumbling of the intact family unit, screen goblins that capture kids' attention sometimes up to 30 hours a week and foster attention deficits, COVID silt piled up on the delta of the stay-at-home river, robbing people of in-person connections, political wrangling that erupts in campaign lies from both sides of the aisle, members who respond to emails and texts with, well, I worship online at home, but haven't been to communion in nearly three years. Synodical numbers diminishing, recruitment for ministry seeming like climbing Mount Everest as kids want to make use of their tech savvy for a career and jump at the next best offer. Prospects who judge an invitation to church with, is it inclusive? I don't care whether you can count on your fingers either years or decades left on this earth. Excitement and exuberance for ministry? I don't know about you, but all that stuff just makes me tired. In the year King Uzziah died, if we were there with Isaiah, we might hear him say, well, as a kid, I grew up in the latter half of his 52 years on the throne. My folks said that he had done some good and godly things, but when he tried to play priest, a total no-no, God struck him with leprosy. He spent the latter part of his days in a leper colony, his son stepping in as co-regent. Now our economy is teetering, and our culture has begun to absorb the culture of our cousins to the north. Intimate relations outside of marriage, babies created by those relationships incinerated, people satisfied with their creature comforts. And when it comes to spiritual matters, they greet that with an audible yawn. And rumor has it that there's a world power way up north, rising like the tide, threatening to whoosh our cousins away. I'm not that old a guy, but I'm just tired. Can you see him? You see Isaiah getting up from his desk, wandering out into the, into the Judean countryside and hillside. No long white beard, no stooped shoulders, no shuffle in his step, no. 
He's still a younger guy, but weighed down by the cultural and spiritual erosion all around him. And then, suddenly, just like John on Patmos, he smacked with a vision. How many times have you explained creation, retold the Christmas story, plopped down for a faculty meeting, sat at your laptop to crank out another sermon, reread the council minutes to make sure there aren't any typos, thought through what your plan is for the week and looked at the calendar, oh, it's time to prepare for VBS again. Ministry stuff, losing freshness. When was the last time you went about a ministry task as lay leader, staff minister, teacher, school leader, pastor, with a take your breath away, wow, feeling as though you're at Mather Point on the south rim of the Grand Canyon for the first time, or watching the birth of your firstborn. 2,763 years ago, Isaiah had that sense through a vision of the Lord Almighty on his throne, encircled by angels, each with six wings, with two, they covered their faces. Angels, of course, are confirmed in holiness, but even they have this sense of, wow, in the presence of God. He's just way too mountain majestic and polished diamond pure for them to assume that they could be his equals. Isaiah's cry, woe to me, I'm unworthy, is all the more justified even than angels because he's a mere mortal and yet he's given a glimpse of what it's like to be in the presence of God. Not some far away horizon looming green black thundercloud, no, but the unchanging, unchangeable Lord who rules angel armies, who created and controls everything. No wonder that in the presence of such, such greatness, such grandeur, such glory, Isaiah cried out, I'm just like a speck of dust under God's shoe. I'm unworthy. I'll bet there have been times you felt that way. I have. Shock of shocks, God wants to connect with mere mortals, with people. We can hear that in Isaiah's words, my eyes have seen, my eyes, human eyes, have seen the Lord Almighty. Our jaw drops in wonder, like angels covering their faces, like Isaiah in this vision that God, before whom we ought to bow in unworthiness, would take the time and have the compassion to come to us. Pay attention to this. Pause. Think about this. That God, the almighty, only God there is, wants to come to us. What's well, like Christmas Day, when the nine-year-old rips wrapping paper off a new bike. <gasps> or when an 
18-year-old opens a little box and there's a key in there for a brand new BMW SUV. Imagine that. Well, it's Christmas Day every day with the incarnation truth. God has come to us. Gift one for ministry for all of you. Called by God through baptism into personal ministry, and many of you, many of you, called by God through the church into representative ministry. Gift one for ministry is the take your breath away, stunning reality that God comes to you and allows you to be in his presence and with him. How about that for countering uh, ho-hum, humdrum, this is old hat, attitude about ministry. Lay leaders, do you remember when you were first selected, designated, elected into the chosen for the ministry role that you are in? Called workers, do you remember? Called they? Underneath the excitement, certainly there was that humbling, well, who am I? But if we were honest, and think back, there was also that, I better duck, like Isaiah. Woe to me, for I am ruined, for I am a person of unclean lips, with two wings, they covered their feet. This, this will mean nothing to you and be as boring as watching the second hand tick on an old school clock on a classroom wall in the middle of a semester of a class you could hardly stand. I'm the only one. <laughs> but this covering feet, that, that'll mean nothing and be just that boring unless, unless you take a really close look at your own feet that led you astray, your fingers that clicked send on a biting message, your eyes that lusted, your ears that accepted gossip, your head that harbored me-firstness, all of which makes us dirtier than sandaled feet all day on a dusty path, all of which makes me want to do the Adam and Eve thing and run and hide. Angels don't have any sin to cover up, no sin on their account, but this action of their covering their feet with their wings was symbolic that the dirt of sin has to be covered because God does not tolerate sin in his presence. Isaiah had a keen sense of the filth of his own sin. Do you? I'll tell you what. If ministry and the message we carry is going to mean anything to you, you've got to start here. Shock of shocks. God did not force Isaiah to rub out or wipe out his own, the dirt of his own sin. God did it for him. One of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Does this hot coal on the mouth bother you a little bit? Ew. 
Think of where the coal came from. It came from the altar, the big altar, in the courtyard of God's temple, the place where the animal sacrifices were offered. And this was not the burnt fellowship or guilt offering. This was the sin offering prepared and offered by the priests in Israel to picture that God would come into the world to sacrifice himself. Whoop. Stop, hold the presses. This is not in my printed manuscript. I'm going to say it anyway. You may have heard this a million times, but unless you absorb this and take this into your heart, go home now and resign. His sin offering pictured that God would come into our world and sacrifice himself to rub away our guilt from his sight and cover it like angels covering their feet to, to burn away and remove all of our sin and guilt. Pardon us like live coal on Isaiah's lips. Well, this is, this is like a naughty nine-year-old who still gets a new bike for Christmas. This is like a wayward teenager who still gets a little box with the key for a BMW SUV. Gift number two, two for ministry. For all of you, called by God through baptism into personal ministry, and many of you called by God through the church into representative ministry. Gift number two for ministry is the full payment. And I mean full payment for all of your sin. How about that? For conquering and, and discounting the fears that we have of a deserved beatdown from God. The sainted mission counselor, Pastor Jim Radloff, often told the story, and he told it often, about gathering after a pastor's conference with pastors for a time of socializing and fellowship, a cold beverage in hand, and as they were chatting, one of the pastors piped up and said, hey, did you hear that there's a vacancy in a world mission field on another continent? Another pastor popped up and said, here am I, send Radloff. <laughs> what the jokester did not know was the very moment those words were leaving his lips, the divine call to that world mission field was coming by mail to him at that moment. He accepted. With two wings, they were flying, carrying an announcement from God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Heaven and earth are full of his glory. Angels have no hesitation carrying out God's word and work and will. They're designed and created by God to serve him and do his bidding. We humans, however, got plenty of excuses, hesitation, fears, insecurities, like Isaiah, I'm not good enough, like Moses, I don't know what to say, like Jeremiah, I'm too young, like Jonah, I don't like the people of my target audience. 
Shock of shocks. God did not reject those scaredy cats, but pardoned them. And that pardon became rocket fuel within them to serve. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. It's not easy facing the elder who has cheated on his wife, the councilman who thinks that being negative is a spiritual gift, the parent who complains that the teacher does not understand that little Johnny has to spend extra hours for a soccer club and can't get all his homework done. Not every day in ministry is easy. Not every day is a piece of cake. But God, the Holy Spirit, empowers us. <laughs> That's like a naughty, now forgiven nine-year-old riding the bike to go help the neighbors care for their lawn projects for free. That's like the 18-year-old, wayward 18-year-old, now forgiven 18-year-old using the new BMW SUV to drive her siblings to school and pick up groceries and willingly. Gift number three for ministry. For all of you, called by God through baptism to personal ministry, and many of you, apparently 48% of you, called by God through the church to representative ministry. Gift number three is spirit power to serve. How about that? For filling us with confidence and hope and joy for future service. It is a mishandling of Scripture to find in an Old Testament passage a prophecy which the New Testament does not identify as a prophecy. But you see what's going on here in Isaiah 6, don't you? I'm sure you see it. Clearly an allusion to the doctrine of the Holy Trinity. Three holies, three sets of wings, God the Father, creator of the universe, inspiring awe, wings that cover faces. God the Son who has redeemed me, purchased and won me from all sin, from the power of the devil. I won't say the whole thing or I'll have to stop. Choked up. He's redeemed me and you. Wings covering feet. God the Holy Spirit winging himself to our hearts through the means of grace we see in the flying wings. But there's more in Isaiah 6. You saw it. You heard it, didn't you? Little phrases like a throne and the train of his robe fit quite nicely with the great king of kings. And words like coal and altar, the temple, fit beautifully with our great high priest who sacrificed himself. And flying messengers fit so nicely with the word incarnate, the great prophet. And there's more yet. You see the connection, don't you? Here in Isaiah chapter 6, 
with 1 Peter chapter 2. You know it by memory. You are a one royal, two priesthood, three that you may declare. How about that? It's the waltz of the Word of God. It's the dance of pure doctrine and of our God. It's the melody of ministry, more beautiful and more breathtaking and more smile-producing than Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers' waltz. Okay, for younger people, Shangela and Gleb Sebchenko dancing with the stars waltz. One, two, three, one, two, da, 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 one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, great king, priest, prophet, representative, personal ministers, kings, priests, prophets. It's this beautiful waltz of the word of God and doctrine that is so pure, flying around the ballroom and weaving its way into your heart and your soul and your mind. Will there be days, have there been days in ministry that are tough? Sure. Will there be days when it feels like you're pedaling uphill or paddling upstream? Sure. Will there be days when you're just physically exhausted? Sure. But my dear friends, at the beginning of every day, at the beginning of every new ministry task, drink in the excitement and exuberance that are yours as God gives to you the thrill of his presence, the comfort of his payment, the surge of his power, his triple gift of ministry for your ministry Enjoy this conference, and then go home and do it. Amen.